this is Magnolia Leadership Podcast, Heart, Soul, and Earth Aligned. I'm Katherine Miller, a holistic practitioner of 30 years and your host. Join me as we discuss what it means to lead from the sacred feminine. Magnolia Leadership is here to guide you home, remind you of your courage, awaken your deepest knowing, revealing your fullest expression, and supporting your beautiful blossoming. Welcome in. It's truly an honor to have Katie Blackman as a guest on Magnolia Leadership's podcast. Katie is a person that I respect quite a lot, not only for her depth of practice and knowledge, but for how she conducts herself in her life. In this conversation, we jump in to really look at the power of healing from a mindset that we are already whole and to look at healing from that perspective and what it really looks like in our lives. In this episode, Katie gets into her own wisdom of how she embraces life as this beautiful unfolding to be met and navigated with responsiveness and patience as she goes. Katie is truly someone that I would say is a devotee of love and of truth And she has studied with many, many great masters and many modalities. And one of her favorites is I rest, which is a practice drawn from some very ancient teachings that she has allowed to move through her and weave its way into all parts of her life. She's been practicing I rest since 2005 and is now trained and is available to help one-on-one clients with anything that they need and teaching them I rest. She's also spent long periods of her life each year living in ashrams and monasteries to really go deep and integrate all these teachings and really what you'll feel in her words and her energy is just beautiful and supportive. Wherever Katie goes, you can find her in the natural world, really enjoying her studies and Sanskrit chanting, being with the ocean, being barefoot, taking long, beautiful walks with the people that she loves most. In our conversation, we get into some juicy topics. One is Katie's view that the sacred feminine and masculine are truly united and one at the source. The need for us to really personally inquire into what healing means for us and what is asking to be healed, starting from wholeness and meeting what needs to be healed. This cultural norm that we have where reality is created with a plan and goals to be met alongside the true lived experience of life as this unfolding that requires responsiveness and patience with what is emerging. We get into what it really looks like to follow and live from truth. We talk about meeting emotions and beliefs as special messengers that allow us to access wisdom versus something that we have to change or get rid of. Katie gets into her personal story of building capacity and spiritual practice over decades. We get into the practice of truly feeling and welcoming what is, the importance of getting support for yourself no matter what, and finally, what it means 
to find safety within your own being. Katie is so generous in this conversation as she shares everything about her own personal story of spiritual growth over decades, providing a special, special inside view of her spiritual practice. And I hope that this will inspire everyone who is listening. Please enjoy introducing Katie Blackman. So before we jump in, I just want to invite a few deep breaths into our bodies. And here we are under the full moon in Aquarius Mm. on August 1st. And I'm in Santa Cruz and you're in Massachusetts, also in the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. So feeling feeling those influences, anything else you want to name that feels present? I'm hearing all the birds right now. Mm. Birds. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, Katie, welcome to Magnolia Leadership. We're exploring really themes of healing, but right now, really exploring what it means to restore the sacred feminine into a balanced place with the sacred masculine so that we have a more a union of those two energies, archetypes, however you want to define that. And I wanted to have you here because I feel and know that you have a long relationship with the sacred feminine and a deep practice. And so I'm really excited to explore your personal arc with the sacred feminine and what that has meant to you so that people can have an experience of all of the different ways that this comes through us. And so let's just start there. Great. It's a huge topic. Yeah. So when I say sacred feminine to you, what gets evoked? The first thing that really lights up the most in me, especially when you're talking about sacred feminine, sacred masculine, and the union is just this part of me that wants to name before any of it, that my experience is that they're already united. They're Mm -hmm. already one. And that my experience of the divine is truly one that's genderless. And then out of that, there's this arising of conceptual ways of talking about it. But that my firsthand lived experience is that it's it's not even that there's two parts united. It's that it's not two to begin with. But then out of that, there's this arising of different qualities of expression that we give name and form and have archetypes around. And I think I didn't, I didn't have that experience growing up. So I just want to start from that place, even though I'd love to talk about my relationship to the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine Mm -hmm. and all of that, naming that in the beginning feels really important for me. That's great. So right (laughs) off the bat, you're coming in with the Katie wisdom. So you said lived experience. So I think, how have you come to that conclusion? that it it's one at its core and somehow we're understanding it by using language and having division, yeah. right? 
and you said that wasn't your experience growing up that it was one or okay yeah yeah take us a little deeper so my lived experience now of it being one is from meditation and from meditative practice and from dropping in and really dropping in through sensation. Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful thing that I've noticed and learned that happens that when you're sensing the body or when I'm sensing the body, I can't think and sense at the same time. I can't think and feel at the same time. They can go back and forth pretty fast. Yes. But sensing is always right in the present. And so it's not that I'm sitting in meditation, like looking for the divine. It's more that in meditation, I become aware that even the word divine is conceptual and feel back and back and back into that which is beyond any concept, into that which is a total mystery into, you know, any word that you use for it in my experience creates a layer of concept and that can give birth to all sorts of expressions of self and divine and other. But when I really feel into it, it's this awareness or presence or mystery that suffuses everything is always safe, always whole, unchanging, never born, never dies, Mm -hmm. and beyond and before any concept of gender. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're pointing to. And yes, the body helps us, right? If we can just stay there. (laughs) I'm aware of, you know, for me, it's like, getting out of those surface waves and really into the depths, you know, into like the bottom. That's where I feel it. It's like getting out of the comings and the goings of, you know, life and mind and, you know, that, that deeper part, which for me feels very, and it's not really so much gender. It's just like ways to understand these energetics. Yeah. That depth to me does feel like the sacred feminine and it feels like it's lacking, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this one place I hear you saying where everything is whole. Mm -hmm. And then we have this this illusory reality that we're in, right? Where it might seem like in this wave area that it's not, it's choppy. And there's things that are often, so you and I hold some really similar belief systems I think around this so one of the things that I think would be fun to talk about is like if it's true that it's whole at some level and and complete union and a place that we can just access through our bodies what the heck is happening in the world and how do we work why do we work on healing at this sort of you know I'm calling it the waves at that level yeah right as always talking to you, there's so many places to go with this, but if someone's just listening to our conversation and they're thinking, I'm here to heal. And I thought this was a way to heal. It's like really understand these concepts and restore them and bring balance. And now you're telling me it's already one, then what's healing? Is it just remembering that or 
accessing that deeper place? What do you think? So my thoughts on that are that that is such a beautiful inquiry. And I think it's a really personal inquiry to sit and feel into what is it here that's asking for healing? Because there, I mean, there are things in me that ask for healing. And I work with women one-on-one in the healing arts, but my approach both with myself and with the women I work with is to start from that wholeness, Mm. is start from that union, and then everything to meet what wants to be met within that, and not to use that as a bypass which could be tempting. If you can really deeply feel that in your system, you might just want to spend time there and ignore everything that's coming up otherwise. But for me, it's been about getting a really truthful about what's calling for attention. It's not making it into sort of a mental spiritual bypass of, well, technically everything is okay and united, and then just using that to bypass the pain and the suffering that's calling Mm -hmm. for your attention. Mm -hmm. It's that to me, that's like the foundational element. And I think that's why I wanted to really Mm -hmm. start with that and lead with that as we begin to talk about the other things, because I think it infuses everything mm-hmm. it flips things like I can feel it as you're it's like okay yes we know that's there I mean I can feel it right now because we're both holding this space and we're talking into it and it's like super deep and what does that request what is the I mean the way that I work is like what is that asking of me yeah how can I be in in service to it How do I open myself up, right? Without controlling or needing it to be a certain way. And it's such a different, (laughs) just such a different way of relating and being that's relaxing. And sometimes uncomfortable because it's like, well, I don't know. There's a lot more I don't know. There's a lot less trying to make a plan from this place or run a business from it or to me it's like this place of truth it's just and it does ask things right or that's how I perceive it is it's like it wants to be lived yeah absolutely and I think it's this a constant invitation into presence because my experience mm-hmm. of culture is that there's this idea that you might just figure things out and then be able to make a plan and go with the plan. Mm -hmm. And it's a totally different way of living. And it doesn't mean, I make plans all the time. It doesn't mean that you don't make plans. But to be in a space where you're constantly responding to the call of life and developing incredible patience and discernment (laughs) and not (laughs) right you might not feel patient right there might be stuff coming up but you my experience is not that I 
necessarily hear the request and Mm -hmm. immediately like, okay, that's what's going to happen. There's a real sitting with it, being with it, meeting it, feeling into it and, and really meeting it from that place of wholeness, meeting it from that deep wisdom Mm -hmm. and moving that way. There's this cultivated, it's a relationship. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, so this is like interesting to try to talk about. Yeah. What might be helpful or what I think could be fun is just to talk about what it means to live from this, maybe from an experience you've had. Yeah. Where you're following this truth, this current, and how that might look different than if you weren't. Does that make sense? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Just like bring it, let's bring it into something that people could yeah. feel. I think a really small and digestible example would be taking my business off of social media. Uh, could seem like an unwise move, potentially. It could be seen as something that decreases visibility mm-hmm. and means that my work isn't seen in the same way out in the world. But for me, there was this contraction that was happening with keeping social media accounts open. And I sat with it. I sat with the feelings. I sat with the question of, is this visibility wounding? Mm -hmm. What is this an invitation to meet? Is this an invitation to take an action externally or internally or both? And through the process of sitting with it in meditation, feeling into it as I am about to post something, oh, what does my body feel like right Mm -hmm. now? And feeling into the opposite, feeling into what would it feel like if I was to delete these accounts and the rush of expansiveness and joy that Mm. I could feel from that. And meanwhile, the thoughts are, this is a move that could be costly. This is all these things and all that chatter. And I took my accounts off of social media and it felt so true and so deeply authentic and there was so much harmony in that choice and also it's not that this is always the byproduct as we know but right. it led to growth in interesting very interesting and okay. it doesn't mean as you know that it, tomorrow i will i couldn't wake up and feel like oh today's the day to start an instagram that could happen for my business there could be a new movement that comes in of the next right thing but i think that's a really tangible example of mm-hmm. sitting with something that's coming up and really meeting it and feeling into it and discerning and then taking the action that's being requested and noticing what happens, noticing, oh, I do feel the relief. I do feel the joy. Oh, this is leading to things that feel really good in Mm. my business. Okay. I love that example because it's 
there's sort of this prescribed way that we do business, right? You got to be online. You got to be, it's whoever makes these rules up. And of course, we all want to survive and be good and do the things. It's just part of our programming. And so you're saying like that didn't feel authentic to you in some way. And you knew it from the way your body was like tensing up or feeling pressure. Okay. And so you have practiced long enough to know that that isn't in alignment for you. And so you were able to pause and just say, maybe I need to consider what this is, how this is impacting and what is really being asked. And so that's the truth that you aligned with, which that this isn't true for you. And so you have, so there's like a faith or a trust in that place that allows you just to be like, that's a surrender right there of what you think you need to survive. Cause we're getting into like survival when we're in our businesses, right? What we think we need to survive. And so there's something in you that trusts. And I know that there's other places that maybe you you would struggle more with this or, right? Or I'm reinforced. I knew that it wasn't, I have multiple roles. So it wasn't a sense that this could make or break me, but there, there was still anxiety, you know. But you in, could let go. Yeah. Because you've done this enough, like you've built a muscle. You've built the surrender muscle. And that's kind of a funny analogy. <laughs> you've built the, I mean, you've been to the gym a lot and to the surrender gym. <laughs> so at this place, you've built the capacity to say, okay, I'm going to at least try this. And there's this openness to even what would come next. Yeah. Mm, and this is something that you're teaching people. So in my one-on-one work, I work with women to help them connect to this sense of inherent unbreakable wholeness, mm-hmm. to come into a sense of safety within, and then to meet emotions and beliefs as messengers. Mm-hmm. And there can be great healing that happens, but the sort of twist on the framework is that we're not approaching it from a sense of, I need to heal this thing. There right. may be a feeling in yeah. someone of yeah. like, I'm desperate yeah. to heal this thing. It I really desperately yeah. need relief. I want this to be gone, but I am working with women to support them in meeting these deep parts of themselves and accessing their own wisdom Mm -hmm. around it. And then oftentimes I think one of the pieces that can be really important that I'm sure you see in your work too, is supporting the meeting of the reactivity that can also come up because as one of my teachers just said on the retreat that I was on, these things come with their friends, the emotions, (laughs) the beliefs, they, they all come with their friends. And so really cultivating that capacity. And for myself, I also meet with a practitioner because Mm -hmm. there are things that are so deep that you can really use support. And so you can use these skills and really work with them in your life. And then the rug gets pulled out and Mm -hmm. you need more. Yes. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, please. More, more support for everyone. Okay. Yeah. So can you talk about your personal practice that you've cultivated to allow yourself to go through a process like 
what you just described. Sure. How have you built your capacity? And that's a huge question because you're a deep practitioner who I respect a lot. And I just think it's fun to hear people's travels. Yeah. And practices. Yeah. So if it's okay, I'd love to start with where I began because yes. I think it might be supportive for people. And yes. Uh, so I've struggled with OCD for a long time. I've only recently realized how much of what's gone on for me fits under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. And in high school, long before I was ever really formally meditating, there was of course deep reflection and contemplation, but not a formal meditation practice. I struggled intensely with anxiety and relationships that were really not good for me and difficulties with the schooling system and many things. And there were days when it felt like a miracle that I made it out of bed. And so just to name that that's sort of where I was coming from and And also my, you know, my caveat being that there are many ways that I've gotten help. I've worked with therapists. I want to be clear that this way of being with emotions and beliefs and suffering has been really foundational for me and that I'm not practicing it to the exclusion of medical help when medical help or promoting it to the exclusion of medical help. I believe that medical help is really important. So for me, my first introduction was really actually in India because my father has been practicing meditation for, I want to say maybe almost maybe 55 years or something like that. And it wasn't something that I knew anything about when I was a child. Mm. I knew that he was meditating. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, There were swamis who would call our house. And I had some sort of vague idea of -hmm. what that was. And I was raised without religion. My parents said we were free to Mm -hmm. choose, which I love and also felt very anxious about because I really longed for the sense of safety that I thought that sort of this external God could give. And so when I came to practicing meditation, it was when I first visited India with my father. And at that time, my guru wasn't someone that I was thinking of as my guru, but that visit was when I started to reflect on these teachings and become introduced to um, some of non-dual wisdom. And it felt like an immediate fit in me. It felt like what I had always known and believed, but hadn't had any language for. And so I started trying to meditate and I was 19 and I was starting this formal practice and I didn't know that it is so common that it will bring up all of your stuff that you're sitting, you're getting quiet, like everything is just going to unleash. I didn't know. And of course it plugged right into everything I had going on. Not good enough. 
imperfect failure, all of these things. And my meditation practice became another way that I was beating myself up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. of course, that's not the foundational teaching, but I was a beginner. I hadn't explored that yet. And I feel really lucky because I came to the practice of yoga nidra and what is now being called I rest with Richard Miller. And in that practice, it's so foundational to meet emotions and beliefs and movements of consciousness and sensations as pointers and as messengers. So everything is seen as a pointer back to awareness or back to the divine or presence or wholeness, whatever you want to call it. Beautiful. And and not as something that you need to dismiss or that's seen as taking you away. So practicing that for me, this is really like a coming out of the closet. I actually am not somebody who has a specific daily routine. I do not get up at the same time every day. I do not meditate at the same time every day. That's never felt natural. Okay. And well, with, that makes sense knowing you. <laughs> with spiritual me. communities that I'm a part of, that is seen as having a lot of value. Yeah. So it's something that I've played with. I think when I spend lots of time in India near the ashram, I fall into a routine that feels good, but it's not something that I hold myself to in a sort of rigid type Mm -hmm. of way. And Mm -hmm. so for me, practice looks like small increments Mm -hmm. over many years. And it really The formal practice has been everything from seated meditation, yoga nidra, walking meditation, simply sensing my body in the middle of a difficult conversation, Mm -hmm. feeling where the breath is. These kind of micro movements throughout every single day. Mm -hmm. And then the longer practices I reserve for something big that's coming up that really needs a lot of concentrated attention or when there's no content that needs to be met, being able to just feel back into that space of awareness and watch this really meet the the concept of the sense of self and the I thought and those movements. So my practice has been these micro movements over many years and maybe over two decades mm-hmm. now. And what do and you think about life as the practice? hundred percent all the yeah, time. Just I like, think, you know, it's like right. my practice supports my life and my life supports my practice. They flow mm-hmm. into each other. Life is my practice. And mm-hmm. sometimes it really helps to sit down for 30 minutes or an hour and really feel in and let it. It's not that I'm going in and unlayering something. It's giving it the space to unlayer or like I said, there's this other current of practicing self-inquiry, practicing paying attention to awareness when the content doesn't require Mm -hmm. anything. 
I think we're mostly talking about content and what I work with people the most with is the content that's coming up, but my practice has this other element to it also. It's beautiful to hear you describe it. I really love that framing of the feelings as a pointer to this deeper place, right? And just, I know we haven't talked in a while, but recently I've been really focused on just deep alchemizing the feelings. Just like feel the shit, you know, turn towards it, approve of it and just let it, let it do its thing, which is kind of, I think what you're saying I was just finding that so many of my practices were bringing me out of that. And so it can be quite uncomfortable. I mean, we're talking about it in this beautiful way, but the actual application of this, I don't want to give the idea that this is, I mean, this is personally, I, for me, really hard work because it's moving towards the thing that I haven't wanted to feel usually and actually approving of it this is the thing that I need to feel today and, or in this moment even. And I, I give myself permission just to do like 2% or 5% because it kind of gets me into the, the safety, right. Yes. Of yeah. feeling it. Like we don't have to just do it. There's not, I just want to take all the pressure off. It's not about doing it right. It's yes. not about doing it perfectly. It's what is the call? But I have wanted to do it perfectly. Right, I wanted to do it right. I mean, I have gotten stuck in like years of trying to do it the way a a guru or a teacher prescribed. I've had to go through that process to be able to come back and say, once again, no, those things don't work. It's all here. It's all in the body, which for me on my own personal journey with teachers and we've shared a teacher and it's just, I haven't had the embodiment pieces deeply. And it's now it's like really coming in, you know, and I hear it in your, like what you're sharing, like this has been such a deep part of your journey. And also I know that you have the mental piece too, because I, I know you and I know that your mind is very strong and that you've done a lot of study. You know how to describe this in a way that works for the mind. And so there's that, there's both. So it's this holding, I just feel this spaciousness in you. Maybe coming off the 10 day retreat. Maybe coming off the 10 day yeah, Or just retreat. where you are. It's like all of that is part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, even that humanness of wanting to do it well, or we could call it programming, but wanting to do it well, that's also fine. Yes. And it's like, okay, there she is. Let's sit her around the table, right? And love her too. The one who wants to get it just right. Where do you feel that in your body? Where do you, what's the sensation of that? Is there a center? Is there a periphery? Is there a message? Is there, it's really, to me, it's a constant inquiry. And I love how one of my teacher frames it is that sometimes there are movements of thought or emotion that are just window shopping. They're Hmm. just passing through. They may not need special attention to be met. And then there are things that if we slam the door on them, they're going to come around the block and 
Yes. Dang it down. <laughs> yes. Or we might not listen to that and then right. get bigger. And then you have, have to come around the block again. Like right. Bigger. Right? Yeah. And so having, for me, working with iRest, there are very, I think, skillful ways of meeting and welcoming what's coming forward. And I've really appreciated working with those in a, in a living way, living those out and playing with them. And I think what's so foundational to my life is inquiry. And for me, that's very intuitive when I'm meeting an emotion or a belief, feeling into it and where is it, how, what does it feel like? Is there a voice to it? If it walked in the room, what would it look like? It's very, it's this very organic mm-hmm. process and layering in that foundational safety and wholeness piece first, because like you said before, it may be that the right thing is to meet it 2%. Right. It may be that today is not the day to open the door all the way. It's just that you're not refusing to have it in the room at all. You're just saying, okay, like this is the extent to which, and that is so, in my opinion, that is so healthy and that is so important. And for me, that has also been so educational about how to set boundaries externally, to be able to work with the movements within me of emotions and beliefs and welcome and meet them has also transformed with how I meet everything externally, because it's not separate in my experience. And learning to have that healthy sense of this is what's right, right now. This is what's right for this system. This is what's healthy for me. It extends into the other areas of my life. Mm. I like that for you and for everybody listening. (laughs) Is there a before and an after here? Like you said that something has shifted in the way you've set boundaries. It's constantly evolving. For example, there's a relationship in my life where I think I've always longed for more connection than what that person is actually available for. And I think on a visceral level, what I notice is that sometimes feelings that have been in me for a really long time feel neutral, but they're not. And so I don't pay as much attention to meeting them because Mm -hmm. I'm so accustomed to them. And recently on this retreat that I was on, I had a lot lot of opportunity to sit with things and to sit in spaciousness and wholeness. And when I came back from retreat, there was an exchange that felt painful. And it was not something that was unkind. It wasn't, it just hurt the part of me that wanted more. And yes. I realized in that moment 
that I have constantly put myself in the position of asking this person for more than what they're available for and that I'm not respecting who they've communicated they are right now and that I'm at a point in my life where I'm capable of respecting Mm -hmm. that where I am capable of really just loving Mm -hmm. that this is their capacity and this is what they want and this is what feels right for them right now and I'm capable of meeting the grief and that for me that may mean that in where there's a longing I may actually not reach out because I'm aware Mm -hmm. or reach out in the same way you know from that place of longing which is a loving kindness to that longing yes hurt and a loving kindness to them. And again, I don't want to advertise this as something that every time automatically will shift what's going on externally, but it did. This is a breakthrough. Externals. Yes. It shifted everything internally, but it also shifted the external relationship quite quickly. And of course it's an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. but this is someone that I've been close to for a long time. And, but it was so beautiful for me to, the words that are coming are sort of let, let that part of myself grow up and really not, it's not that that happened through any cognitive sense of this is what you need to do. This is your plan. This is how Mm -hmm. you're going to behave. It was really from the very visceral meeting of the moment of pain, of the moment of grief, of the moment of longing and feeling into what was being asked. Mm, Within you. Yeah. Mm. I love that so much. It's approving of what is real and what is true right now and not needing it to be different or not needing someone else to make it different for us. That's such an incredible practice. It's incredible. It's not that our desires and longings are a problem. It's like what me, for me personally, it's like the meaning that I make of it when someone doesn't meet me in the place where I want to be met and just really looking at, huh, (laughs) it usually isn't that because the meaning making is coming from the wounded part of me. And so when you do that, work to hold that place then the meaning is different right there's not yeah Yeah. and it can still be true that they can't meet it I mean there's so many layers to what you just shared it's quite but it shifted dynamic for that painful part because it's like you've got it you've got that part you don't need that person that you've been trying to get the connection from this is this to me is sacred feminine. It's like so deeply nourishing. It's in like the feminine, you know, deeply nourished in approval, allowing fully open to the truth of what is versus we need there to be an outcome. We need to be moving towards the thing. We got to like resolve it. We need to go in on it. It's this different. And there's times for that. There's times for that, but not as much as we think there is. 
so in this example that you're sharing, it just, I mean, the imagery for me is like, there's just this, like, it's a blossoming. It's like this open. And there's this trust of feeling that it would be different if I didn't feel like I could meet the preference, but I can meet the preference too. I can meet the part that doesn't have its preference met or attending to all of it. It's not that I'm casting aside that my preference would be something else. I know you're saying that too, right? I think it's great to point that out. We're not getting rid of, not getting rid of anything. Look how excited we're getting. We're not saying like, oh, this part of myself that has a preference has to change or the grief gets met. The deeper need gets met. The preference can also meet that and integrate that and listen, what's the deep need in that preference? Mm -hmm. It's everything gets to be met. Everything gets to be welcomed. It's not that one thing gets to be welcomed at the exclusion of the other. Mm -hmm. And there's also always parts that it that are more challenging to welcome. There's these layers that are just like hard to be like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that that, you know, I mean. Which is why I'm like, get support. <laughs> like yes, that's And that's where the hard stuff gets. You ask about like my practice and my path. I will say yeah. that that is the other element that I think I have always been committed to. And it started with kind of at no fault of the therapist, crappy therapy when I was a teenager, because I wasn't involved in the process. I was just sort of going because I felt like that was what my parents wanted me to do. And later I came to it in myself that this was the thing for me to do. And whether it's been therapy or coaching or other forms of healing work or what I'm offering now for me is fun because it's been this through line through everything that I've mm-hmm. tried. I started with this practice since I was 19, yes. but I'll say that for me, getting support has always been totally fundamental. Yes. It's the word that's coming is, well, first what was coming was community. Community is fundamental to me. Connection is fundamental to me, but getting support for the tough stuff in a way that allows me to meet it really holistically and in a welcoming way within myself, surrendering to the fact that it's fine to have, to need support, that that doesn't mean that anything is wrong, that that's part of its own journey too, right? I mean, personally, I also have always had support. I have, I mean, I don't think that we can work with other people without doing the work ourselves. I think that's like a critical thing that I want everyone listening to this to hear is please work with practitioners who are doing, who have someone holding them and holding them accountable. I think it's really important. And also, I don't know how your journey was. Well, I know a little bit of your journey with support, but I know for me, I've been exploring this place where what does support really need to be for me versus where am I outsourcing power or outsourcing knowing, right? There's this fine balance between receiving support and then giving power away. And I keep, I've done both. It's a, it's a lifelong lesson where I'm like, oh, that person has something that I think I need. 
right? And sometimes it is in the right relationship where I can like open, receive, benefit, and allow that person to be a mirror. That takes such a deep trust, yeah. right? That like really opening to support. And there's also been times where I've been like looking for the person to save me or trying to follow their method or wanting to collapse into it or wanting to fight. I mean, it's just, I think support and what it really is, is such a revealer of patterns personally, right? Everything is always revealing itself. All of life is this beautiful mirror. There's no escape. And it can be painful too, to really open to receiving and then have to find the places where you're self-retraining or outsourcing power or, but when you find the person who can just be really deeply nourishing and loving, but with a, uh, an honesty and a capacity to say the truth in a way that you can receive it, it's just life-changing. Yeah. Right. And I don't know about you, but I, I have found that to be kind of rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Support is also a path of revealing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here we are talking about support. And for me, that is also what I consider a sacred feminine practice of just like being deeply nourished. What would it look like if we were deeply nourished? That's what I want to experience. Yeah. And that's from ourself in connection. I mean, it could be how we're relating to our body. I'm having this experiment with like no restrictions with food, Mm. nourishing foods only, but like no restriction. And that has been such an interesting experiment. Oh, I used to have like two eggs for breakfast. Well, today I want five. I'm going to have it and I'm going to see what happens. Oh, wow. What an experiment, right? To like really tune into the body and be nourished on a physical level. So there's like support from a person. And then there's also all this other support through our, the way we hold our body, the food that we're eating. Like, are we getting any light on our body? Like all of that is deeply supportive. The people that we connect with. And then there's the lessons that come when it, when we don't have it. Right. Or can't access it because we don't have the resources or. I think there's a lot of support that's available even if we don't have a lot of resources. Yeah. I think it's about finding the support that's available. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to say any more about your business and how people can connect with you? You're not on social media. I have a website. Awareandunfolding.com. Okay. It will be in the show notes or something. We'll we'll be putting that all in. How, if someone's listening to this and it feels really good, would they just reach out to you to find out more about your offerings? Um, do you want to talk about your offerings right now? How, yeah. how do people work with you? Uh, right now I work exclusively one-to-one. I work with women and you can either book a single session or you can book a three-pack both offerings have to be used within a month of purchase. And I do a free connection call before booking with anybody new to make sure that it's a good fit, answer any questions that anybody has. There's more information about 
my training and my offerings on the website and sort of the different things that the one-on-one sessions can address. I think I said a little bit, a little of it before working with negative core beliefs, meeting Mm -hmm. emotions, sensations, and thoughts as messengers, resourcing from wholeness. I love working with women to help them, to help support them navigating transitions and challenges, Mm -hmm. coming into safety within Mm -hmm. themselves. Okay, great. I'd like to explore that with you for a sec. Yeah. If that's okay. Absolutely. Coming into safety within yourself. That sounds really great. And I'm curious, what does that really, what does that really mean to come into safety within yourself? Because it it feels really profound. So what I like to invite people into is the inquiry of, is there something here that's always been safe? and never been harmed. Mm. And it's an inquiry. This isn't a belief or a concept to take on. This is a living inquiry. Sense back, is there something here that has always been safe? Mm -hmm. That no matter what you've gone through, it's never been harmed and Mm -hmm. it doesn't negate harm that you've experienced. Mm We're not saying that didn't happen. We're not saying that wasn't harmful. But is there something that's always been safe? And if someone can't relate to the word safety at all, that's fine. Is there something here that's always been okay? Something here that's always been fine? Mm -hmm. And sensing into it. And for me, that inquiry has grown and developed and it can be really supportive sometimes to start with maybe a visualization of coming into Mm -hmm. a space that feels safe to you with beings animals people Mm -hmm. that feel safe to you wisdom figures Mm -hmm. and then sensing that in the body sensing that safety ultimately what I think many people find, what I have found and been invited into is that there's this unbroken awareness that suffuses every movement of life. There's something here that's always been aware. Mm-hmm. It's never been born, that doesn't die, mm-hmm. and has always been safe, even when there are things that are unsafe happening Mm. and so feeling back into that feeling back into that unbroken aspect Mm -hmm. is always here can in some ways words feel like they don't quite I feel it I think we're getting it I think you're directing the feelings I think it's incredibly so this is foundational to Mm -hmm. I rest and I think it's incredibly resourcing when you're meeting things that don't feel safe in -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. And when you're meeting ways that you haven't been safe with other people or events, or when you're meeting ways that you haven't been safe with yourself. Mm 
Hmm. All that inquiry, we, we spent a lot of time with this on the retreat that I was just on. I love it. Am I safe with myself? If you sit with the statement, even just the affirmation, I'm safe with myself, what may bubble up is all the places where you haven't been safe with yourself mm-hmm. and then meeting those places and being with them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yummy. So yummy. Okay. I love that inquiry. How have I, all, what are the ways I've been unsafe with myself? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm still unsafe with myself. You know, this is something that I still sit with am I safe with myself mm-hmm. what what would I need to do in my life to be truly safe with myself mm. do I speak when I need to speak yeah I'm feeling like not self-abandoned right yeah exactly that, that's what's coming up for me like okay no no self-abandoning yeah because that's not safe right. mm, what a deep practice and then are you saying you would be holding this connection to safety in an image or in your body or in a council, however that is for you, as you're meeting the ways that you may not be safe. So you have both. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have you have both. Oh, yes. Okay. And really recommend being with it in the body because an image, I think can evoke it in the body, but the image Mm -hmm. can be lost really quickly. Mm -hmm. So really just practicing, sensing, what does it feel like? So this, I want to ask you to, we've covered a tiny bit of territory that we could cover, but I trust the flow of this. Do you relate this sort of practice of safety and feeling and inquiry and pointing back to the sacred feminine and to, and also I I do want to, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about your practices with the sacred feminine because they're vast, but do you feel a connection between this deeply feeling way of being that points to the primordial state or to the, the place of wholeness to be aligned with the sacred feminine or is it just is that not a concept for you I could answer it both ways I can uh, say yeah I know 100% <laughs> absolutely yeah. without a doubt and I can say no it's totally beyond and before that I experienced okay. both the thing that I want to say or somehow like work to create with you this is a different orientation yes and even in the healing and wellness communities where I feel really emotional around this, where there's something wrong and we need to get rid of it. I mean, I know personally that's been harmful to me and, you know, I I, full responsibility for aligning with it and that we're like going for a goal in our healing process, or we're going to somehow transcend, or we're going to like get to enlightenment. I mean, all, all of these things are fine and understandable and, I feel like it, in my experience with people, really kind of the dominant paradigm around how we get well, this is where we, we connect. There's this other complementary 
way of approaching this, which involves this depth and this healing and this allowing. And for me, that is really necessary to bring back in. Not that we have to get rid of those like desires or goals or right. But that alone is actually my experience is that it's been harmful. And so personally, and also with clients, there's like maybe more of an emphasis on kind of the work that you're describing, mm-hmm. right? As a way to bring that into alignment. Yeah. And my experience is as a way to meet the energy of needing goals and needing, right. it's like, yeah. like you said, we're not getting rid of that because mm-hmm. we're not getting rid of anything like mm-hmm. meeting that welcoming that where is that needed and where is that just a belief mm-hmm. that when you inquire into it reveals another truth mm-hmm. mm. yes yes okay anything else you want to say about that i mean there's so much to say <laughs> Well, it's funny because we're talking about all these really deep embodied things and I'm actually like a very, you know this about me, my mind moves very quickly. I have often how I feel like I'm really like quick witted and all of these things and embracing that too. It's not like, I hope that no one walks away from this feeling like there's somebody else to become, right? right? There's, and I think everything that we've said has made that clear, but I was just on this 10 day retreat and it was a silent retreat, which mostly meant no socializing. There was question and answer and like that. Mm -hmm. And internally by day five, I'm cracking jokes in my head about different things that are happening and in my own experience, you know, like my experience with the food or whatever it is. It was this beautiful moment of watching how I'm at a place where that was great too. I think years ago, there would have been a judgment. Oh, I should just retreat should look like this and I should be like this and spirituality looks like this and health and wellness looks like this and healing and to just really let your essence shine Mm -hmm. and let it be what it is and it was so delightful for me like I was cracking myself up and there there wasn't any effort to it it was all just the clouds in the sky rolling through (laughs) It's great. And so I think the more we meet what's here, the more it just reveals Mm. the shining light. It's Mm. and and the darkness, and it's all it all what it is. (laughs) Yeah, it feels really like as what you're talking, it just feels free. There's like this freedom Mm. in it, which is what we're trying to do. And that includes having things not look a certain way. I, I love spiritual teachers that cuss and tell like dirty jokes yes. <laughs> because it's like, oh, right. Good. They're human or tell the stories of challenge or yeah. I like that. You're bringing that in. We get to be human. The point is to be human. Right. right. To be who you are, to be what life is calling you 
mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. And that and might be different than what you think it should be. Yes. It may right. not be your preference. I had this huge, yes. fascinating for me. I think a couple years ago, maybe it was in 2021, I was going through this grieving period of realizing that as a child, I thought that I would get to decide who I was going to be as an adult. Yes. And that you don't. And it sounds so simple, but really letting go and realizing it's as simple as that we don't know what thought is going to come into our mind in five minutes. Mm -hmm. We don't know our favorite food might change tomorrow. We have no idea. It's true. And we We don't have as much control over all this as we thought we were going to have. Right. And we identify with all these changing movements that are changing all the time. And it's, I think it's totally fine to have a preference about, you know, who and how you're going to be and to meet that preference and what comes up around that. And of course, if you're being called to develop other qualities, to pay attention to that too. There are times when I want to really sink into a quality of listening or things like that. But to, I think it's important to let yourself shine as you are. Mm-hmm. There's another thread that I've heard you say, or another word that keeps coming up, mm-hmm. which is your relationship to grief. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also a part of the, it's such a fertile ground to understand ourselves. And you've mentioned it several times. And I just want to pull that thread a little because you're talking about these transformative moments and these allowings and then you're you're really quickly coupling it with grief yeah yeah there's been a lot of grieving uh, yeah in the system and yeah. sometimes it the more I practice body sensing recently there it was a couple years ago there was this grief that was coming through that made me physically feel like I was becoming the Grand Canyon, like Mm. the sensation of it coming through. It was this transformational movement and I felt grounded and ungrounded or groundless at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. It carves us out. Yeah. It, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. So I want to open this up for any place that we, well, we have only touched on a few topics that we could touch on. <laughs> oh, Katie, such a pleasure to sit with you. Is there a place here where you'd like to go or something that you feel just moved to speak about in the realm of? you know, what we're speaking about or even just anything that you want to share that feels true right now. And if there's nothing, that's okay too. I think we've touched on a lot of what I care about most and what I feel most Mm -hmm. compelled by. And yeah. Right, right. This has been a beautiful conversation and very much revealing itself, right? As we connect. And this is an example of 
we didn't plan any of this. No. <laughs> it's just through our connection. And when we do share, a, we do share a lot of really uh, deeply connected places within us, I, I believe, that allows something like this to happen. But I just appreciate your heart. And it's the way, the way that my heart feels when you're in front of me is just so, uh, it's just like, a, there's my, there's a sister, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's just, I don't ever need it to be anything more than that. It's such a pure connection. And that's one of the beautiful expressions of the feminine too, is that we can just sit down, connect our hearts, drop in and just let something be created between the two of us. So I really appreciate your participation. Mm. It's been so wonderful. <laughs> Ancient voices spill the secrets. That's it for this episode of Magnolia Leadership Podcast. Having you here is such a blessing. As a Magnolia woman, we are leading from our deep aligned power to bring our full bloom to ourselves and our gifts to the world. If you're inspired by this podcast, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review. Sign up for our newsletter or one of Magnolia Leadership's upcoming in-person or online offerings at magnolialeadershipco.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, so much love to you.